Ah, so the question uh, is, which of the new stadii, see they call it stadii, not stadium, uh, it's not a park like Fenway Park or Wrigley Field, these are real stadiums, but which is the better one? Is it the um, house of uh, Jeter and a.k.a. Aroid? Or is it the house of David Wright, a.k.a. City Field? Now, you know I'm a tried and true Yankee fan. Cut my veins and arteries and I bleed Yankee pinstripes. If we were talking about the old Yankee Stadium, the house of Ruth, no doubt about it. Compared to Shea Stadium, when I was actually in Havana, Cuba, they have their stadium where they love baseball. It's called Che Stadium. C-H-E, after Che Guevara. Shea Stadium was more updated and modern than Shea Stadium in Flushing, New York. But let's just stick to the script about the two new stadiums. So you got, hmm, Yankee Stadium. I've been there a few times. So disappointing. It's like the Great American Mall outside of Minneapolis. You go shopping. You go on shopping sprees, right? It's like you shop till you drop. They even had a freaking butcher shop in left field in which you could get a whole loin. The butcher could prepare it for you. They had the, the brown paper and everything. A butcher shop. And the price is astronomical. You need to take a reverse mortgage in a payday loan. Not only for the products they sell, because it's all about the merch, 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 merch. But the tickets, the parking, and now because the crime is going up under Eric Adams, the swagger man has no plan. You can get mugged going from the parking lot to Yankee Stadium. And the old stadium, at least, the ball players would drive into the parking lot and then have to walk into the players' entrance next to the press entrance, and the fans could be on both sides and try to solicit them for signatures. Some were better than others. Some of them were like, hey, I ain't giving you no signature because who knows it's going to go up on eBay. But at least you had a shot at that. Now in the new Yankee Stadium, the players drive into the bowels of Yankee Stadium. You never see them enter. You never see them emerge. So it's a double oofah to uh, the new Yankee Stadium, the House of Jeter and the House of Aroid. Now, we're talking about, though, City Field. 10,000 times better. I hate saying that. I want to bite my tongue. Put together by the Will Ponzi's, Fred and his, his inept son. You know, friend of Bernie Madoff, the biggest white-collar criminal in the history of America. They, they get City Field up and running. They still had all the junkyards around, all the junkyards. And they turned it into a shrine to the Brooklyn Dodgers, which is what Fred Wilpon really idolized when he was growing up, went to Lafayette High School. A lot of people don't realize he played first base for Lafayette High School in Brooklyn. And you know who the pitcher was? Sandy Koufax. Anyway, he was in love with the Brooklyn Dodgers. It was a shrine to Jackie Robinson, number 42, and all the Brooklyn Dodgers. You walked in the city field, and you say, oh, my God, is this the house of the Mets? But then when you walk around, you feel like you're in a real ballpark. You feel like, okay, it's not the best, but it's a hell of a lot better than the new Yankee Stadium. And believe it or not, I was in Fred Wilpon's box, and I had to admit to him who I hated, loathed, despised from the Wilponsies that his city field was better than my beloved Yankee Stadium.
And that's tough for a Yankee fan to say, knowing that in City Field, you look outside the parking lot, it looks like demolition derby rejects. Oh, Vince, Vince, Vincennes. You know, I knew your father, Vince McMahon Sr. You know, when he'd interview Bruno San Martino, who was my grandfather, Fidel Bianchino's favorite. He used to interview Bruno San Martino at the end, the world champion, for so many years, say, Bruno, say a few words to your people. And so he'd speak in Italian, and every month they'd fill the garden, 20,000 fans, the Boston Garden, 20,000 fans, and Philadelphia, because all the Italians would be busted. But it was no frills, no budget wrestling, old school, Channel 9 locally. And then Vince McMahon Jr. learned from his father, developed a lot of the same skills, had some of the same wrestlers, but then he blew it up. He blew it up in, term, in terms of this mega corporation that it is now. The problem is, is that as big as the WWF, which became the WWE group, and you saw their Stamford International Headquarters right along the New England State Thruway. They got the big WWE flag. And they became global, not just regional, national, and local. Even wrestling in Saudi Arabia. So before all of this uh, mishigash about golfers taking the dinars from the House of Fraud with their fake mustaches, fake beards, fake schmatas on their heads. And then when all of a sudden they come here, they're wearing those knockoff Armani suits, chasing skirts and doing cocaine. Oh, he was friends with the Saudis. He would bring the WWE there. It was the only Western form of entertainment they would allow. So Vince McMahon uh, Jr. always believed, follow the yen, follow the dinars, follow the euros, follow the dollars. And we know his wife, she became the uh, secretary for small business in the Trump administration. But somewhere along the line, Vince McMahon Jr. decided, I want to take what was a private family corporation that my father, Vince McMahon Sr., started so many years ago and go public and sell stock on the New York Stock Exchange. And naturally, it went boom. But when you go public, it means you have a board of directors, you have stockholders, you have to answer to them. You could be the CEO and own most of the stock today and be on the outside looking in tomorrow. So now it's emerged that apparently Vince McMahon Jr. was a perv along with his associate. And they were perving on this paralegal who all of a sudden was getting raises and raises because she was doing more than helping with the law. She was providing favors, you know, friends with favors. And she wanted a lot more favors. And Vince McMahon Jr. wasn't going to do that. So he tried to go on the hush, hush, much, much on the down low. And all of a sudden gave her $3 million. But she had a sign on the dotted line, a confidentiality agreement that she would take these secrets to the day she died to the grave. Well, somehow, some way, they slipped out. Wall Street Journal has a big story. And Vince McMahon Jr., who made wrestling what it is today, a global entity, could be in double trouble because he decided to take his private, family-owned corporation and sell it for the money by putting it on the public stock exchange, and now he's got to answer to a board of directors and stockholders, something he never had to do before. I have a feeling Vince McMahon Jr. 
You roided up, you couldn't control your libido, and unfortunately, you're going to have ugats when all is said and done. Bupkis. Oh, could have been 50 Cent. Guy who culturally appropriated my name, Curtis Jackson, singing Welcome to the Club. Happy birthday to you, Tupac, if he was still alive. But there are a lot of people out there who believe that Tupac Shakur is Machiavelli. Machiavelli, he is alive. He is alive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just like Jimmy Morrison and the Doors like Elvis. But the point is, he would have been 51 today. And you look back in the life and times of Tupac Shakur and you say, hmm, Tupac. Wait a second. Let's check out who were your two parents. Born in East Harlem, moved to Baltimore. That's where the Black Panther parties had a large presence. H-Rap Brown in the 60s. Burn, baby, burn. And it just so happens that Tupac Shakur's mom and dad were members of the Black Panther Party. In fact, uh, Asada Shakur, a.k.a. Joanne Chesimard, was his uh, aunt. And remember, she was the cop killer. She was the leader of the Black Liberation Army, broke out of prison, Clinton State Prison in Jersey, then snuck off and is now a uh, celebrity behind the sugarcane curtain of Fidel and Raul Castro being given protection from being extradited back to the United States. So Tupac Shakur's roots were political. But it doesn't mean he was political. Oh, no, no, no. He'd be drinking the 40s. He'd be smoking the bloods. He had the schmata on his head. And then all of a sudden, he came out with that uh, album, I'm trying to think, Two Apocalypse Now. Two Apocalypse. Two Apocalypse Now. I'm pretty sure that was it. And then he's going to a studio in Times Square. He's like living it up. And these gunmen come in, boom, pop, 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 pop. Five times he gets shot. I got five, shot five times, June 19th, 1992. Huh? We could compare bullet wounds if he were alive, except he also got shot in his three-piece set right before he had to go upstate and do a prison rap of close to a year for sexual assault. And he did his time, and he came out, and now he's mad. He said in the back of his head, man, this is East Coast, West Coast war. I'm an East Coast guy. I'm from East Harlem. I'm from Baltimore. But East Coast did this to me. P. Diddy, a.k.a. Puff Daddy Combs and Biggie. I thought Biggie was my friend. He did it to me. So you know what he did all of a sudden? He joined Death Row, Suge Knight's Death Row. He said, come on, come on. And it was Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and all those West Coast marauders. And they welcomed Tupac. And then all of a sudden, Tupac was rolling with death row. And he was threatening Biggie, threatening uh, Puff Daddy Combs. It was violent, this East Coast, West Coast rap war. And then all of a sudden, it was the Mike Tyson fight in Vegas. There was Suge Knight in his Rolls Royce. There was Tupac Shakur. They were coming from the hotel, got into a fight with some Crips after the fight. Then they're going down Vegas. And a car pulls up alongside of them, cripping along. A crip puts the gun out, bang, 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 shoots Tupac four times. He's almost down for the count. He survives for six days, but Suge Knight, he takes the coat of Omerta. Snitches get stitches and end up in ditches. That was never resolved. What happened a year later? Biggie Smalls is outside of the NWACP LA Awards. Bang, 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 bang. He gets killed. And I think both sides at that point said, you got one of ours, 
Tupac, we got one of yours, Biggie. It's over. But some of y'all out there believe that Tupac is alive. He's Machiavelli. He's alive. Oh, the latest controversy in the land of Trendoids, Freakasoids, and Jet Setters involves Kim Kardashian. Now, who is Kim Kardashian? And by the way, the Kardashians, period, you got, what is that, Kylie, you got uh, uh, Clueless, uh, you got Kendall, you got Courtney. they're all K's. You know, it's like three K's, it's a strikeout. I would have struck out the Kardashians a long time ago. And who was your father? Oh, he was the lawyer for O.J. Simpson. Nonsense. These people have done nothing in their lives. Oh, wait a second. Let me take that back. Kim Kardashian made that famous sex tape, triple X rated. Now, which one was more triple X rated? The Paris Hilton one? Paris Hilton, who cannot chew gum and think at the same time? Or Kim Kardashian? And that was how they all of a sudden became famous. And then, obviously, the reality show, The Kardashians, with uh, Kim leading the way. Then she hooks up with Kanye. Do, 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 do. Kanye West. Do, 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 do. Oh, I'm bipolar. I'm a Mama Luke. I love my mommy. Oh, I'm into fashions. I love my wife. I love my wife, Kim. I love my, my babies. I forget their names. Oh, they're all freak names that they, these parents give to their kids out in the West Coast. It's beyond me how they could even give these kids their names. But anyway. We would have believed that they were the leave it to beaver, father knows best little on the house prairie couple. In fact, um, Kanye West had that, that lodge up there in Wyoming. But the point was, it was all a facade, like everything about Kim Kardashian. So now, what's the controversy? When she went to the Met Gala, you remember the Met Gala when our, uh, <laughs> the mayor, the swagger man who has no plan to fight crime, he went, you know, with that outrageous outfit about gun violence. Well, Kim Kardashian had to steal the show because she was with that skinny bellini, Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson. Come on, the king of Staten Island. I thought that was that Mama Luke Frank Morano, right? Ha, ha, ha. Pete Davidson, he's tatted up from the tip of his nose to the tip of his toes. And you better believe whatever Kim says, Pete Davidson does. A real S&M relationship. You know who gets whipped every night, and it ain't Kim Kardashian. Well, anyway, she borrows the Marilyn Monroe gown. I don't know how many extra ribs she got taken out of her like she always does in order to fit into that gown. But she became the hit of the Met Gala, not Eric Adams. Now, this is the problem. A lot of people said that, well, she ruined the gown, the Marilyn Monroe gown. And I'm saying to myself, Marilyn Monroe, and that's a woman who had talent. Look at all the movies she was in. Yeah, she was decadent and debaucherous, just like Kim Kardashian. And I don't know which Kennedy had her whacked in uh, the early 60s. It might have been RFK on behalf of JFK or JFK on behalf of RFK. It was a hell of a lot easier following Marilyn Monroe singing happy birthday to you, Mr. President, in the old Madison Square Garden at 50th and 8th than Kim Kardashian, who I can't even, I don't even think can sing. I mean, what does she do other than be Kim Kardashian? Don't worry about the gown. Just, hey, Maytag, Pete Davidson, pay for it.